This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, fine people. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 200, recorded Monday, February the 16th, 2015. 200. Can you believe it? I, I do, actually. I believe it because last week was 199. It's, so it makes perfect sense that this is the uh, the 200th episode. So uh, logically, uh, I believe it. 200 episodes of this whole thing here, which has taken us about five and a half years and five and a half seasons of the talk of the Walking Dead TV show. It's it's really quite something. If I think if you'd asked me five years ago you know, when we were on like episode 10 or something, do you ever think we'd be doing our number 200th show? I'd have been like, come on, what what, are you crazy? I would have called you a lying bastard and probably slapped you. See? You're a stupid idiot and slapped you right across the face. (laughs) And you probably would have been right or justified in doing that. (laughs) I would have been justified, yeah. Because I never would have dreamt it, you know, it's, but here we are doing episode number 200 of this podcast. So, you know, I realized that, we kind of go as long as the show does, right? We, we're going to keep going until it's over, and whatever that gets to, it could go 12 seasons, and we'll do episode 400 in a few years. Yeah. But, um, but it's just one of those things where you never really think about that far down the road, yet here we are doing number 200. I don't think we should stop when the show's over. I think we should keep going. We'll, well just start over. Just start over it. We'll start over again. Start over at one. All right. (laughs) We'll see. I'm sure we'll find something to do. But, you know, in the spirit of of number 200, though, I I do think it's appropriate to just, I don't know, say thanks to everybody. Thank Mm -hmm. you for, for, to everyone we've ever had on the show or the friends of the show. And of course, everyone who's ever listened to the show. Um, it's, it really, really is super fun to do and it's super fun to have you all listening. And, you know, we have some listeners that have been with us since like show number one, very, Mm -hmm. the very beginning, which is amazing and just mind blowing. And then, you know, we now have listeners who call or email us every single week. It's amazing. Sometimes multiple times. It's, it's really just, my head is exploding with gratitude. It's really crazy. I am completely flabbergasted by this whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> you know the 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 show itself. Uh, I didn't. I I really didn't think that it would uh, balloon into the in the epic drama that it is. And uh, the fact that we get to do this uh, every week, or mostly every week, and sometimes twice a week, is mm-hmm. uh, completely awesome. It's well, it's just developed into so much more than than I ever thought it would. You know, with the with everything we've gotten to do, going to conferences and meeting the actors and hanging out and interviewing people occasionally, it's just, it's so much bigger than I ever imagined it would be. And I think I'm immensely grateful for that. Yeah, me too. Because it's super, super fun. So anyways, thank you everyone for listening and for uh, being with us for 200 shows or or just one, if this is the first one you've ever listened to. Welcome. 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 We're starting here at 200 and we're going ahead. All righty. Um, I do have an entry in our favorite scene contest to play, but I'm actually going to leave that till later in the show this time. Because, let me guess why. Okay. Because the scene is in this episode. The scene is in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I think it's the second week in a row where we've had a very recent scene 
recorded for us. So we'll get to that a little bit later. In the meantime, though, before we get to our recap of this episode, I've got a couple of calls I want to play, which are kind of just following up from something we talked about last week. And uh, so, and, and you know, the second one, I think, is actually kind of appropriate to this episode a little bit, too. So the first one here comes from uh, Dale in the appropriately named Walkerville, Maryland. Hmm. <laughs> so let's listen to Dale. Hi, this is Dale from Walkersville, Maryland. Um, just a comment. You made a, you read a letter that talked about a zombie toy in the background of the episode where uh, Tyrese was killed. Uh, for those of us that grew up in the 60s and 70s, that was not a zombie toy. That was an Aurora plastic model. And this was a, a popular series in the 60s and the 70s. The, the figure there was the... Uh, Forgotten Prisoner. So if you do a Google search of Aurora and Forgotten Prisoner, you'll see a picture of it. Thanks, Dale. I'm going to, he goes on a little bit more, but I thought I'd uh, just for time cut it off there. But thank you for sending that in, Dale. Um, so Aurora Forgotten Prisoner is what that was. And in, indeed, if oh. you Google it, you'll find the exact toy. And it's not a zombie. What it is, is it's a guy who was chained to a wall and then forgotten and left there and died and eventually turned into a skeleton. So it's actually a skeleton chained to a wall. Right, I see that. Yeah, and uh, good eye on Dale there for picking that out, It's because that's exactly what it is. And he goes on to mention more about other toys in this line, and there are lots of them. And in fact, there's another one in that episode from last week. Right at the beginning, he says, the first time you see a picture of the house that Tyrese ultimately drops blood on, mm-hmm. Right, standing beside it is the Aurora, um, Mister Doctor Jekyll as Mister Hyde, uh, wow. uh, toy. So there's a couple of them in there. So somebody must be a fan of those and decided to put them in the episode. That's that's pretty cool. And I just I wonder, you know, what a toy from a '60s television show is doing in a uh, a child's bedroom. Um, well, they're not not a '60s TV show, but like they were around in the '60s, I guess, in the '70s. But I, it's probably just an old toy. I mean, you know, my kids have old toys that were mine and my wife, my wife's when we were younger. So, so you have uh, all the what the GI Joes? Your well, kids play with the GI Joes. You're, are they allowed to touch those? <laughs> no, I actually still have all my GI Joes, and they're yeah. in a they're in a plastic box, safely hidden away right now. Um, I'm but, coming over and telling your kids about those. No, that wouldn't be such a problem. If you went and told my nephew, he'd he'd want to come and get them, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Anyways, I, I don't see a problem with the old toy being in the room there. I just think it's cool that we were able to identify what it was. So nice yeah, job, very Dale. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks, Dale. And uh, that's an unfortunate uh, place that you live, Walkersville? Yeah. Or Walkerston, what is it called? Walkersville, Maryland. Yeah, that's uh, that's the first place the, the zombies are going to show up. <laughs> It does sound like it, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. This next call comes from Michelle in Connecticut. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Michelle from Connecticut. Wanted to give a call in with a quick thought on the mid-season premiere. Uh, Teeny tiny possible comic spoiler alert. I've read them up to the end of the prison storyline, and I'm really glad that the show decided to switch up the way uh, Tyrese's story played out the way that it did. I think it made his character a little bit more realistic um, to be able to see the emotional struggle that he had with this new type of world. Um, I think we all like to think that in a zombie apocalypse or end of the world as we know it type situation that we'd be able to be that badass do or die 
zombie and people killer like Rick and Michonne have to be. But I also think that most of us who found that they could do that type of thing um, to to survive and to protect our loved ones would find ourselves um, having a hard time with it day to day and struggling with it just like Therese does. Uh, I can really relate to the sense of guilt that he has over some of the choices that he has had to make um, for his survival, for his loved one's survival, especially those that were right in the moment, in the situation, but still felt wrong as a caring human being. So that's my two cents. Thank you, as always, for an awesome podcast, and um, talk to you later. Bye. Fantastic. Thanks, Michelle. I think, you know, I wanted to play that because I think it really um, effectively sums up uh, Tyrese's personality and his feelings, you know? Yep. Um, He didn't like what he had to do, but he had to do it. And I also think that sort of feeling comes up in this episode from this week, too, or, or at least those themes or those ideas come up a little bit, so... Thank you, Michelle. That's uh, that really puts a period on on Tyrese's life. I think. Yep, absolutely. That was really nice. All righty, let's get into our recap then for this week's episode of The Walking Dead, which was called "Them." Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was Tammy reading "Them," and uh, of course, uh, "Them" from "Us" and "Them." Um by uh oh, brain brain is failing me i got nothing us and them by pink floyd pink floyd <laughs> there we go <laughs> i saw pink floyd in concert uh so did i actually Once. way yeah, back it was down at the exhibition place we were probably at that same concert together and had no idea i know my uh, my wife was there too we uh, we've talked about this she was at that concert i was at that concert you were probably at that concert it was uh quite the day it was quite the day. None of us knew each other at the time. Yep. Um, but uh, Matt sent that second one in, the clip of us and them. Uh, I got to say, Jim the Trucker sent one in as well, and he he really put his all into it. Unfortunately, the audio was so distorted because <laughs> he, just, he just went for it that I, I just couldn't <laughs> play it. So thank you, Jim, Aww. for sending that in. I am sorry uh, I didn't play it. But if you want to read an episode title... Uh, and not necessarily scream it into the microphone or the phone. Uh, pick an episode from an upcoming an upcoming episode, record it, send it to us, and we'll play it uh, before we do the recap. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this episode is called Them. It's episode 10 of season five. We open this week on a super close-up of some eyes. Could you tell whose eyes they were? I could. All right. Well, they were Maggie. <laughs> yep, I knew that right off the bat. There you go. So the camera pulls back slowly. It's Maggie. She's sitting in the forest crying. A walker slowly comes up behind her, but it gets caught in some kind of vines and trees that are basically right behind her. Yeah, and she doesn't give a shit at all. Oh, not even one shit at all. She hears it coming. Luckily, it made some noise, but she hears it coming and she just sits there. Yeah, she knows she's protected because uh, she's got skills and uh, senses and she knows what's going on i guess but i that's a risky move to take but uh, she takes it so it gets stuck she gets up turns around stabs it in the head and sits back down crying some more Mm -hmm. so she's not in any any danger any longer we cut over to daryl he's digging in some dirt finds a worm eats it (laughs) of course without even frying it no he just uh, slapped that thing on his tongue and swallowed it down I would have shaken off a little more dirt than he did. You know, personally, this scene, I I wish they'd done it with the worm on screen the entire time, like from yeah. dirt 
from dirt to mouth, but you see him pull it out of the dirt and then the camera pans up to his face before his hand comes up. So the real worm was probably switched out for a fake worm or a, a gummy worm and then he ate it. Norman Reedus could have eaten a real worm. There's nothing wrong with eating worms. Their worms are perfectly fine to eat, and a little bit of dirt's not going to hurt you, right. as long as it's not radioactive dirt, because that shit will kill you. But uh, I, I think uh, if I was acting on this set and there was a real worm, I would have eaten the worm. But then again, PETA would have come, all, and come, in, come in and said, uh, you know, we can't put a stamp of no animals were harmed on this set because uh, you obviously killed a worm. Well, right. I- you know, I, I used to know a guy who was a psychologist at a university here in Toronto. Yeah. And he, at one time, was running uh, some research project where they used fruit flies. Yep. So I, I don't have any details on what they were doing. But he was telling me about it at one point, And he said, we had our choice of various um, bugs or insects that we could have used for this research project. Right. And we chose fruit flies because who gives a shit about fruit flies? Right. <laughs> that was the whole, that was the whole logic. And in this case, you know, maybe a worm isn't quite as, uh, maybe people have more feelings for worms, but really who gives a shit about worms? Well, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I, I can see where the producers would say, you can't le- eat a live animal on television. You just can't do it. I don't care what the animal is. I don't care if it's an insect. I don't care if it's a spider. I don't care if it's a spider that died of natural causes. You can't eat a live animal on uh, on TV. But couldn't they have used a fake... Well, maybe it was a fake worm that he pulled out of the ground. I don't know. But couldn't they have put a fake worm in there, had him pick it out, and then all in one shot put it in his mouth? So What, like shake it like it's a rubber snake? Right. And then it just gives you the... It gives you a more... A better impression that it might have been real. I don't know. I don't know. I just wish the worm was on screen the whole time. That's all I'm saying. All right. We could, it could have been a, an orange and black and red gummy worm the whole time. And we could have said, well, at least it was on screen the whole time. I'm pretty sure Hollywood has access to realistic looking fake edible worms. Probably. I know I do. Yeah, exactly. All right. Anyways, he eats it. We cut over to Sasha. She is following a riverbed. She's looking for water, but it's clearly all dried up. Bunch of dead frogs there. Yep, which is not good for the frogs. So you can have dead frogs on screen, but you can't eat a worm? Well, they're not real frogs, are they? Probably not. Probably not. Anyways, the three of them, Maggie, Daryl, and Sasha, meet back up again, and they come out to the road. They're walking towards the rest of the group who are sitting by a van, and they're talking about how it's been a day and a half since they found any water, and uh, they all seem really slow, tired, and depressed. Yeah. Not a long day and a half. Yeah, it doesn't seem like things have been going very well. Well, you got to think, it's been a day and a half since they found any fresh water, and probably they didn't have much before that anyway. Probably not. So we get our opening credits, and when we come back, um, their vehicle, which they have, the van, I guess, it runs out of gas. They decide to walk. They're walking along, and we see some zombies following them them at a distance. Yeah, they're just, uh, they just want to join. They're just joiners. They are. You guys are going someplace. We're going someplace. Why don't we just go together? Let's all go together. We'll make a little convoy out of it. Yeah. Um, Rick is talking to Daryl, and uh, Rick says, don't worry about them. We'll get them later. Um, And he also reveals that it's been three weeks since Atlanta now. Yep. So we got the time frame. And they're talking about finding water and food, and Rick says it has to rain sooner or later, which is probably good thinking. 
And then Daryl and Carol go off into the woods to search for water. Yep. Really, it's all about finding water at this point. Uh, Carl gives Maggie a ballerina music box that he found. Which Where did he find it? Did he find that in the in the van? No, he says when they were looking for water. <laughs> right. Well, just, I, I, I'm wondering why he didn't give it to her earlier if he found it. Like, did he find it? like 10 minutes ago, but he pulled it out of his bag. So it must've been at least half an hour. You know, why is he waiting until now? Why is this the perfect moment to give, uh, give her the ballerina box? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe he forgot he had it. Maybe he's been carrying it around for two weeks and every time he looks in his bag, he's like, Oh, I got to give that to Maggie. What am I doing? Still holding on to that. I got, I have to wait until she, uh, you know, looks like she's about to commit suicide before I give this to her. Cause if I give it to her now, then uh, she'll go, oh, and then commit suicide later. So maybe it was the uh, the right moment because he feared for her life. Right. That's right. He was holding it to the, he was holding on to it until the time when she was at her lowest point. Right. Which we got in this episode, I think. Um, so he gives it to her and then Gabriel starts telling Maggie about old religious hair shirts, which right. I must admit is something I had never heard of before. I've never heard of it either. And I'm going to look up that well while while you're doing that he offers to talk with her about herschel or beth because he can tell she's feeling sad and uh, maggie declines and calls him out for hiding in the church instead of saving his congregation she basically says you can't tell me anything because you're just as horrible a person for what you did right hair shirts a real thing yeah well i'm not surprised i just don't know what they are shirts made of hair (laughs) doesn't sound doesn't sound very comfortable, really. I'm sure it's quite comfortable. It's like silk. Mm, maybe if you only instead of coming from uh, worms' bums, they come from our own heads. <laughs> Speaking of worms, <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you weave it all together nicely. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, okay, we get a really cool shot now of the entire group walking wide down the road, and there's more zombies behind them. Yeah, so they're picking up more followers. And then right after that, we get a picture of uh, of them, obviously, on Tatooine, because uh, there's two suns in the sky. Really? No, it's a lens flare, but it looks like there's two suns in the sky, just like Luke was looking at the sunset right. on Tatooine. So I assumed that they had somehow gone to Tatooine, because there's probably not a lot of water kicking around there either, and uh, they don't have moisture evaporators like uh, Uncle Owen in Peru. No, that's true. Peru, that is- sorry. Baru, yeah. Uh, that is very true. They, <laughs> There's two suns, there's no water, where else could they be? Right, or droids that speak the binary language of moisture evaporators. <laughs> Did you watch Star Wars recently? No, I just have a good memory for <laughs> random dialogue in Star Wars. Yeah, well, a lot of us do. A lot of us, a lot of, us of our age do. Yeah. Uh, okay, so where are we now? Sasha is telling Michonne that uh, they sh- they should go and kill them. But Michonne says, no, 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 Rick's right. We'll wait. Um, you know, we've, 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 we'll have time for that. Mm-hmm. And Michonne says that Tyrese got stupid after what he lost. She doesn't pull any punches here. Yeah. And, and Sasha ends up saying, we're not the same, but there's obviously some tension between these two happening right now. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, Daryl and Carol, they, we, they're out of, you know, separated from the group still somewhere out in the forest and they have found nothing. And Carol's talking about the impact that Beth had on them all. She gives Beth, uh, Beth's knife to Daryl sort of as a reminder. And she reminds him that he once said that they're not dead and that he's not dead right now either. 
and she encourages him to grieve, then kisses him on the forehead. Yeah, that was nice. It, it was nice. I mean, Daryl's clearly a little bit distant at this point, and she just wants to make sure he's okay. Right. Okay, the rest of our group has come to a bridge and in the road with sort of a crevice on each side or a crevasse. Canyon, even. <laughs> Possibly a canyon. Uh, they line up on each side of it. The and, and, and they let the zombies get up close. And what they're doing, instead of attacking the zombies and killing them, they're going to push them into the crevice on each side of the bridge one at a time. Yep, it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. Uh, but what happens? The plan gets dicked, as as, a, as Abraham <laughs> says. Yeah. Because Sasha walks up, and instead of pushing, she stabs one in the head, and then things get all out of hand, and they all start stabbing heads. Um and things just go crazy from there. Rick almost gets bitten by one, but Daryl shows yeah. up just in the nick of time. That was close. There's an old military adage that uh, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. I see. That makes sense. Yeah. So you can plan all you want, but as soon as uh, as soon as you make contact, all your plans are going to go to shit for sure. Because the enemy has plans too. Of course they do. But in this case, it wasn't that the enemy had plans. This this case is that Sasha broke rank, basically, and decided oh, yeah. to avoid the plan. Yeah. Um, so one almost gets Rick. Yeah, I said Daryl shows up. Then Michonne is trying to, like, control Sasha, telling her to stop, quit it, but it's not working. Um, and uh, Sasha swings. Everyone swings. Their knives are flying. They end up taking out all the zombies, but she nicks Abraham with her with her knife on one of her swipes through a zombie head. Yeah. And there's obviously much more tension now between Michonne and Sasha. They aren't really seeing eye to eye at this point. Yeah, she's got to get her shit right. <clears throat> she does. But we go to commercial, and when we come back, there's more walking of the group. Uh, they come to some abandoned cars on the road. Daryl heads into the woods again. He seems to do that a lot this episode. Yeah, he's he likes to hang on the woods. You know, what if he finds a squirrel? Or seven squirrels. He's yeah. got to get his bandolier of squirrels ready. Well, it makes sense. Like, go a, a mile or two down the road and then flank out a little bit into the woods to make sure there isn't, like, a stream or something, you know? You don't want to pass by these things if you're that desperate. Yep. So he's out in the woods. Uh, Maggie is searching one of the cars. She finds nothing in the car. So she decides to look in the trunk. And in the trunk is a bound and gagged zombie. Well, I thought it was, like, a, a zombie granny. I thought it was, uh, you know, a little old lady that somebody, uh, you know, was taking someplace, and then but then she turned into a zombie. And it's like, well, I can't leave Granny on the side of the road, uh, so I'm going to take her with me. But I can't, you know, leave her just the way she is because she's a danger. So, you know, for their own safety, they bound Granny up and put her in the trunk. I don't know, man. I think this was a kidnapping victim who was in the trunk when things went bad and then was just basically left there to die, died, became a zombie, and has been stuck in that trunk for two years. Uh, we got two totally different unprovable <laughs> stories going on here. Why would you tie up your grandmother and put her in the trunk? No, not before she died. After she died, she became a zombie. But you don't want to just throw Granny out of the car. You want to keep her... She's your grandmother, for crying out loud. You want to... You want to Keep yourself safe, but you can't just toss your Grammy, Grammy out like garbage. So you tie her up, put her in the trunk, take her with you. Take your zombified grandmother in the trunk, tied up. Right. Why even tie her up? Just throw her in there. I don't know. If she's a zombie already. I think 
I, first of I had all, her in the back seat for a while, but all the moaning and groaning from undead grandma is uh, very upsetting to you and uh, the three kids you have with you. Because <laughs> why not? She got too grabby in the back seat. You had to. <laughs> Yeah, we had to put it in the trunk. I don't know. I think something bad was going on here, which we'll never find out. But I think that, I don't think it was a grandmother, first of all. I think it was just a really? highly... I, I think you do. I think you think that somebody kidnapped their own grandmother and was taking her to uh, get some ramps- ransom no. from her rich, uh, her rich uh, husband, who is not your grandfather, but uh, is uh, the remarried husband of uh, your kidnapped grandma. Okay, first of all, you have a wild imagination. <laughs> And second of all, if that's the story, that's a story I want to hear. They should make a movie out of that. Sure. I'll write the script. I'll start working on the screenplay right now. Very good. Undead Grandma, it's called. See? That's perfect. (laughs) Undead Grandma. Well, I don't know what's going on there, but Maggie sees this bound and gagged Grandma Walker, and she closes the trunk, leaves her there, starts to walk away, but gets a few steps, decides to go back, and, uh, and when she gets back to the trunk, the lock is now jammed, so she can't open it. Uh, she's struggling with it. She gets frustrated, pulls her gun, and is going to shoot the lock off, but Glenn stops her. He then opens it and uh, kills the walker. Good. Now, what was Maggie going back there to do, is my question for you. Was she simply going back there to kill that walker? Or, like, Maggie's at a low point here. She's, I you know, we've already seen in the cold open, she's a little bit... I would almost say reckless in her, you know, hanging around zombies and not worrying about it. Was she going back there to do something else? I was under the impression that she was going back to kill undead grandma. She couldn't just leave her in the trunk like that. She had to dispatch the uh, the zombie. So that's what I thought she was going back to do. That's what I would like to think, but I don't know. I mean, Maggie is at a point right now where she's ready to give up. She's ready to not continue and in fact later on in the episode she even says that now obviously we don't know it at the time but when you project back was she going to get in that trunk with undead grandma and see what happens why would she want to be a zombie she has a obviously she has a huge revolver that uh, is fully loaded just put it in your mouth pull the trigger no chance of you becoming a zombie and you're instantly dead that's true. That's true. That's easier. But, I mean, people aren't always thinking straight. Maybe she wants to get bit and force someone else to have to shoot her in the head. Why would she want that? Eh, who knows? Who knows why would she would want that? I'm just saying I wasn't sure when she turned around to go back to that trunk. Like, why was she so upset when the lock wouldn't open, right? I feel like she went back and she's like, I want to do what I want to do, and now I can't, and I'm mad about it. And then Glenn showed up and, you know, brought her back from the edge of the cliff, but... Who knows, man? She's at a pretty low point here. She's just pissed off because she won't be able to return undead grandma for the ransom. And uh, so she wanted to open the trunk and just kill her. Because she's pissed off, you know, no ransom for anybody. You know, somebody went through all the trouble of kidnapping this undead grandma and uh, nobody will ever get the ransom. Nobody ever will. I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah. All right. Uh Playing, coming to a movie theater near you, <laughs> summer 2016, Undead Grandma. Actually, I thought of a better name. It's Throw Undead Grandma from the Train. Yeah, I could could have guessed that was coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we cut over to Daryl. He's in the woods. He finds a dead, half-eaten deer and a dead walker leaning against a tree. Right. And, and that was it. We don't really see anything more here, but it 
it seems like something happened here that we don't know. Do you have a crazy theory on this one too? Are they related to undead grandma? Yeah, this is the guy who kidnapped, or he was uh, with undead grandma. And when they pulled over, when they finally ran out of gas, and he walked into the woods and uh, found a deer that had recently died. So he started, he was really hungry. So he just started eating the deer. But uh, uh, I don't know, wolves came? I don't know. I don't know what killed him. <laughs> All right. This is getting too silly. We need to bring it back to the serious note yeah. a little bit here. This is a very serious episode, actually. It is, yeah. Uh, back on the road, the rest of the group is sitting there, just kind of sitting around, I guess, waiting for Daryl. He comes out of the woods, and then they, they hear a bunch of thunder in the distance. A storm be brewing. Yeah. Um, Abraham starts drinking some booze he found, and the others remark that booze is not going to, you know, booze is not going to help. It's just going to make things worse. <laughs> Although, I don't know if I believe that. Well, yeah, I mean, booze is the cause of and solution to all of life's problems, but Eugene doesn't think things can get any worse in this scenario. That's probably true. How could it possibly get worse? That's right. You could get in a giant thunderstorm. That's true. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's not worse than sitting on the side of the road. No, probably not. Um, just, Just at this moment, though, some wild dogs come out of the forest, like out of nowhere. And the group is starting to prepare their knives and get into a defensive position when Sasha jumps up and shoots each of them dead with her silenced rifle, which was pretty cool, or suppressed yep. rifle, I should say. That was pretty cool. Rick immediately gets a stick, and they cook the dogs and eat dinner them. Dinner time. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> ring the first the, thing I thought of. <laughs> ring the dinner bell, that's right. Yeah. Um, now... Another interesting animal point here, you don't actually see her shoot the dogs because you can't show people shoot dogs on TV? Uh, well, it was a quick shot, but I, I think we wanted the surprise of the dogs dying and then uh, the answer to what the hell just happened, and they showed her with her, her weapon. Yeah, yeah. So I, think, you, I don't think it was a uh, an animal cruelty question. I think it was a storytelling um, device. Show the re- show the reaction of the people rather than the dogs being slaughtered. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although the dogs were quite a threat. Those dogs were there to, to eat them or attack well, them. Well, I wouldn't want, uh, you know, really hungry, feral pack of dogs coming at me. You know, I was walking on a, a hiking trail and I had a perfectly friendly dog come running up, up at me and uh, just, you know, obviously he the dog was happy and was uh, very excited about making a new friend on the trail but still i had a little bit of fear in me i didn't know what this dog was i had never seen this dog before mm-hmm. and then he uh, smelled my crotch and ran off well you know that's what dogs do yeah unless they're you know super hungry and feral yeah that's true they then would they would make me nervous i would uh, i would be a little bit even leery about uh, defending myself against a uh, a very hungry dog with just a knife that would be really tough. That's going to be a, yeah, that'd be really tough. I'd probably take a few bites before uh, I killed that son of a bitch. If you could. Literally. <laughs> son of a bitch, get it? <laughs> Hilarious. If you could even kill it, right? Like, I think a dog that's attacking you has the upper hand most of the time, even even if you have a knife. Yeah, but it doesn't know that I'm about to stab it in the head from the side. It's true, but dogs are faster than you, man. They are, but they get a good clamp. I use my arm as a shield, just like uh, Tyrese did. I'd put my arm up, the dog would clamp down, I'd stab it inside of the head, and then ring the dinner bell. <laughs> and eat well that night. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, 
they're all sitting around, they're eating, and uh, Noah tells Sasha that he doesn't think he's going to make it, that he doesn't know how to go on, and, and she really has no pity, and he says, if you don't believe you're going to make it, then you won't. Yeah. Suck it up and eat, she basically says. Yep. So we get shots of everybody eating dog, and at this point, Gabriel takes off his priest collar, throws it in the fire, and takes a bite of the dog mm-hmm. while Maggie looks on. So earlier on, he was trying to offer her some, you know, priestly advice or just a, a shoulder to cry on or a ear to talk to, but now he's taking it off and burning it. Yep. He has uh, put down the mantle of God. At least for now. For What do you mean for now? Well, later on when it starts to rain, he, he thanks the Lord for the rain. So he's put it down well, for it's now. Hard, it's hard to give it up, you know, cold turkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> or a cold dog. Or cold dog. Yeah. After a commercial break, uh, more walking. The group is still walking. And Glenn offers some water to Maggie. She declines. Um, and he uh, asks her to talk to him. And at this point, Maggie explains basically the first half, what she was doing the first half of the season. She explains her feelings about Beth. Right. And she essentially says that she never thought Beth was alive. But then Daryl said that thing, and, uh, you know, she started to hope Beth was okay. And then they found her, and they lost her all in the same day. And it felt like, you know, she was all very confused, like it was, it was never there, she says. And uh, after all that, she says here, this is, uh, you know, I don't want to keep fighting to survive anymore. I'm not sure if I want to do that. And so this is how we I sort of know that Maggie was at her lowest point and where I'm thinking, okay, back to that car. Maybe she was about to give up and get in that trunk. Nah, she would eat her own gun. I really honestly believe that. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, that would be out in, well, that would be crazy if suddenly she just turned around and shot herself in the head. Couldn't imagine that. Uh, Glenn, anyway, of course, says that she does want to continue fighting because he knows better. And he says, that's who you are. That's who you are. You're going to keep fighting to survive. And then she drinks the water. And this was the sign for me. She took that water. She drank it. This was the sign for me that she was turning a corner and she was putting the bad stuff behind her and looking to the future. Right. Um, what happens next? Abraham offers some of his booze to Sasha and he tells her that the way she's going, she's going to make things worse in this group. And uh, he says they're all friends here, but Sasha says, no, you're not my friend. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> really cruel. I mean, she is not handling things well. No. Um, Glenn then offers Daryl water, a lot of water sharing going on here. He declines, and Glenn says, look, we can only make it together. We're all a group here. You got to drink my water, make it together. But Daryl goes off into the forest again, says, tell him I went to look for water. Yep. Um, now, Daryl, he's in the forest. He comes to a cabin of some kind, but he doesn't approach it. He sits down, looks at the cabin, lights a cigarette, and then burns a hole in his hand with the cigarette while crying. Well, as soon as he sat down, uh, I knew that what he was doing, he was, I thought he was uh, reconnoitering the place, like just watching to see what was going to happen. If there were people in there, if there were zombies in there, he was just going to sit and watch. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as he sat down, it's like, man, if I was sitting there like that, I wish I would have had a cigarette. And then he pulls out a smoke and I'm like, yeah, all right. He gets to have a cigarette. <laughs> and then and then I was thinking about how stale and gross that cigarette would be. Uh, it was probably pretty gross. But then he burns his hand. 
almost in the exact same spot that I burnt my hand with a cigarette in the exact same way. You did it on purpose? I did it on purpose. Mind you, I was drunk out of my skull. I was at a party. Well, I was there was a party at my house and there was only like two or three people left. And we're just kind of sitting there in that kind of post-party mellow drunk kind of thing, sitting there smoking and talking. And I just looked at my hand and I'm like, all right, I got to get up and go to bed. And I was thinking, okay, if I threaten to burn my hand, I'll get up and go to bed. And then I just got closer and closer and I just, it just, I hit, touched the heater to my, uh, my hand and it sizzled and smoked. And I'm like, yep, that hurts. Wonder why I didn't move my hand. And then I pulled it away and finished my cigarette. And then I went to bed. You have a scar there? I have a scar. I can show it to you. Well, maybe later. <laughs> maybe later. But uh, yeah, I've got, uh, that's one of two cigarette burns. And I have another one that somebody else did to me. Uh, I'm not sure if she did it on purpose or by accident, but we were at a bar. But anyway, yeah, I did that to myself the exact same way that he did. Okay. Well, he did it, I think, so he could just feel something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can, I, 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 I can understand that. All right. Well, he, he clearly. For me, it was a threat. I was trying to threaten myself. <laughs> Right. Didn't work. Didn't work. Yeah. No, he just wants to feel the burn on his hand and he, he allows himself to, to cry, break down here and mourn those he's lost a little bit, I think. Yep. Um, we go to a break and when we come back, uh, back on the road, they have found a bunch of water bottles on the road and there's a note and it says from a friend. Like a bunch of individual water bottles and like four gallons of water. Like yep. four big gallon bottles of water. Yeah. That's crazy. It is. And this caught me off guard. I mean, I know this whole episode um, on the surface has been about searching for water. And now all of a sudden, oh my God, there's a bunch of water on the road and it says from a friend. I didn't see this coming at all. Um, but nobody wants to drink it because they all fear it may be a trap of some kind or it may be poisoned. Except for Eugene. He's like, you know what, people? Things aren't getting any better here. I'm drinking this water. And just as he goes to drink it, Abraham knocks it out of his hand, and it goes flying. I'm and glad that uh, I'm glad that Abraham knocked it out of his hand, because I think if he would have drank that water, he probably would have died. And I'll tell you why. Please do. Because he was wearing the orange backpack, and that orange backpack is it's just not good. I think it's cursed. Yeah, well, the last owner died. Well, no, because it's been passed around from person to person, and I think uh, Rick has had it, and Carl has had it, and people have picked it up and used it, but uh, there's something about that backpack. It just, every time I see it and I see somebody wearing it, makes me nervous. You get a bad feeling, eh? I get a bad feeling. So I had a bad feeling about it. I'm pretty sure the water was not poisoned. Mm -hmm. Like, it was good water, but, you know, it still, it made me nervous that... uh, uh, that he was going to drink from it while wearing the backpack because, oh my God, if you're going to do something dangerous, take the backpack off. <laughs> Just take the back, take the cursed backpack off. Everything will yeah. be fine. Yes. Well, I, you know, I was thinking, boy, these, I know they're trying to be cautious and you can't trust anybody in this world, but at a certain point, you got to be like, we're like dying of lack of water, drinking water. Here's a bunch of water. Let's take our chances. Or, yeah. or frankly, let Eugene take a sip, and if he's fine, eh, all right, everything's okay. <laughs> so, I uh, agree with Eugene that it was probably fine. Like, if they were, if this was a trap, we're in the trap. Like, there's, we're done already. This isn't just the bait for the trap. We're in the trap. Yeah, yeah. We're all standing around this water, looking at it, 
No one's paying attention to what's happening around us. There could be 25 guys with guns pointed at us right now, you know? Yep. So, but they don't drink it. Abe knocks it out of his hand and then thunder rolls and it starts to rain. Hooray! Apparently, this was real rain. Oh, yeah? It wasn't a rain machine on the day they filmed. It just, it started to rain at the most appropriate time and they went with it. Nice. Which was pretty cool. They all seem very relieved. Uh, Tara and Rosita lie down together in the road and get rained on. Um, They start to gather the water in whatever they have, but they look up at the sky and realize that a major storm is about to happen and they better take some cover. Yeah. Daryl mentions he saw the barn, so they head for it. We cut to them entering the barn and they clear it out. Maggie finds a Bible and another walker female walker who's in really rough shape can't get up on her feet she leans in kills it stabs it in the head doesn't really hesitate as much this time just kind of looks at it feels some pity and kills it so i i I still think maggie's turned the corner she's she's back coming up to you know uh survival maggie right and as soon as i saw this uh this zombie in this room i'm like yeah bedroom all right get to have (laughs) some comfy sleeps tonight (laughs) yeah too bad that zombie's been in there for uh, two years stinking the place up. Ah, you live in a zombie-infested world. Another zombie room is not going to hurt. Yeah, that's true. One more zombie room. But, uh, so yeah, why not sleep in there? Um, uh, she wonders why Carol walks up behind her, and, and Maggie wonders why the walker or the woman didn't use the gun to shoot herself and instead just died and became a walker. Do you know how hard it is to shoot yourself with a rifle? I bet you it's pretty hard. You got to pull the trigger with your toe unless you got really, really long arms. <laughs> well, I know, but people have done it. Yeah. Uh, Carol says that some people just can't give up, and that's why. And she says they can't give up like us. Mm-hmm. So this is a group of non-giver-uppers. That's correct. All right, everyone now, we cut to later on, everyone now is sitting around. Some are sleeping. Abraham is drinking still. He's a big guy, though. He can probably drink a lot of alcohol without getting too sloppy. Probably. Um, Rick is talking about how kids who grow up in this actually have it easier because they don't remember the time before the zombie apocalypse. Right. Um, And Michonne disagrees, but Glenn says that this might actually be the world now, so, you know, Rick's on to something. And then Rick goes on to tell a story about his grandfather in World War II he says that his grandfather woke up every morning and assumed he was dead. <laughs> and uh, every morning he said, um, you know, rest in peace, and then he'd get up and go to war. And he said after years of this, the war ended and he realized he was still alive, which was amazing. And the lesson he took from this is, you know, we do what we need to do to survive, and then we get to go and live, which is a pretty cool, uh, well, pretty interesting philosophy on the whole thing anyways. Yep. And they survive. So in the case of this group, they survive for now by telling themselves that we are the walking dead. Finally said it. He did say it. Um, Interesting, because they used the title of the show in the show. Yep. And that is, of course, a rather iconic line from the comic series. Yes. I was very excited to hear that, that they actually used the, uh, the comic book line. He he delivered it well too, Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, um, and it was a good little backstory about that too. I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was really good. Uh, I don't remember the speech that leads up to it in the comics so much, but I don't think it was the same. 
No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I don't. Uh, I'm with you. I don't remember it, but I don't think it was the same. Right. Um, I was surprised to see it. I didn't think we'd ever get this line in the TV show because I thought they'd used it already, but changed it up. Do you remember? I think it was Rick at the prison. Um, it might have been. It might have been his speech about this is not a democracy anymore. The prison. Right. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember the exact line now, but they there was a kind of a similar line in that speech and I thought maybe they had gone for it then that was like the TV show version of we are the walking dead um and so I thought maybe they were past that and they weren't going to weren't going to use that scene in the show but sure enough I was wrong and there it is word for word yep no it was excellent it was good but uh Daryl says we ain't them and gets up and then Rick agrees which is kind of funny he says we we ain't them we're not so well, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying we are the zombies. He say we are the walking dead. We just we are all we're dead right now and if we continue to not actually die, we we can that's when we can live. But right now we're dead. No, I get it. I I understand and he's just trying to clarify that for Daryl. <laughs> yeah. Cuz uh simple-minded Daryl's like we ain't the zombies. <laughs> um, right. So he gets up uh and he walks away. Uh, I think there was a commercial break here. When we come back, there's a louder thunder and lightning. And Daryl's over by the door. He sees, he looks out between the crack of the door and he sees a big group of zombies outside. Yep. And he starts pushing on the door to hold it shut. And everyone else starts waking up and noticing what's going on. They jump up. They he didn't run tell, over. nobody said anything. Like he sees this big group of zombies and starts pushing on the door, but he doesn't raise the alarm. He's like, doesn't say, hey, there's a, a herd out here. Uh, he just kind of says, he just kind of deals with it by himself, which is weird. And then any of the random people in the room that also happen to notice get up and help and nobody says anything, which I thought was kind of dumb. If I saw well, that big horde zombies coming towards the door, I think I might tell somebody. I'd be okay, like, well, hey, I need a little help here. Let's talk about this scene. So everyone jumps up, runs over, and by the end of it, the entire group is at the door, pushing it shut, trying to hold it closed when there's a huge bunch of zombies outside. Yep. Thunder is happening. Lightning is happening. It's loud. It's, you know, everything's out of control. Suddenly cut to black. And when we, and we come back and Maggie is asleep, waking up, and we see a shot of Rick asleep with Judith. Right. So... We got to talk about what the hell is going on here. And I'm going to read an email from Jonas in Copenhagen, Denmark, right at this point. Okay. He says, how the hell did the zombies find out that the group was hiding in that barn, especially during a thunderstorm? When Daryl was smoking a cigarette near the barn, there were no zombies to be seen. And all of a sudden, a herd has found them. Surely the storm would have drowned out any talk that was happening inside it. Or... Was this just a dream sequence? But then how would you explain the numerous zombies that were impaled by the trees outside the next morning? Okay, so there's that. And just to answer one of those questions, um, I'm going to play a call here, part of a call from Matt from Wilmington, Delaware. And I pick up in the middle of his call, so it's a little bit abrupt, but uh, here's what Matt had to say. The zombies going straight for the barn, and, you know, everybody's thinking, how the hell could they do that? And I thought the same thing, that it would be harder to track things or animals in 
the uh, the rain, but it's actually the other way around. I did some research about uh, olfactory senses, and mainly with dogs and other animals, they actually pick up scents better when there's moisture in the air. The particles, instead of getting laid down on the ground, they actually get trapped inside of the moisture and the rain, and actually makes them easier to track. So it's entirely possible that they got soaked on the road and then they made a very followable path straight to the barn. So I don't know. Wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on that. I love the podcast and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay. So to answer the first question there, when people are wet and there's a lot of moisture in the air, they're actually easier for animals and maybe zombies to smell. Right. So getting those zombies to the barn wouldn't would possibly have, you know, is explained by all the rain in the air, and that's how they they found them in there. The bigger question here is, was this a dream, or was this actually happening? I chose to see it as a metaphor, Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, they didn't resolve the dilemma. They didn't, like, this was, if the zombies, putting aside the fact that zombies found them, if the zombies were trying to come through the door, uh... You know they didn't resolve that. They didn't. Uh, they didn't deal with the situation. They didn't deal with it well because the first thing you you do is you don't get everybody to push against the door because then you have no options at that point. Mm-hmm. You have some people push against the door and then you have other people go out the other door or find another way out and try and deal with that group of zombies. Flank them somehow. Uh, so they didn't resolve that action and they just woke up the next morning. So I thought of it as a uh, either a dream sequence or a metaphor. Uh, and as far as the uh, the zombies tracking better in the rain, I'm sure that's true for uh, animals that are capable of tracking. I personally am not capable of tracking anything by smell. I'd be hard-pressed to find out where my dinner is uh, by smell, and I know what room it's being prepared in. Uh-huh. So, okay. But let's just say that zombies could possibly have smelled them when they wouldn't have been able to hear them because it's too loud from the thunderstorm. Right. But that aside, I agree with you. When I watched this scene for the first time out of the blue, watching it, it never occurred to me that it was a dream sequence or a metaphor at the time I was seeing it until we go to black and then Maggie's waking up. And I'm like, oh, did Maggie just dream that? Um, but then there are two things that that happen after this that make me feel like it wasn't a dream. One of which, as Jonas said, how do you explain all the zombies that were impaled by trees outside the next morning? I suppose they could have just been some in the area and a lot of trees fell down, so they got impaled. It doesn't necessarily mean there was a big crowd outside the door. Right, and and just to, when there's been water spouts or tornadoes, uh, it has rained fish uh, on towns and things. So, yep. you know, having a storm pick up a bunch of crap and throw it where uh, it wasn't before is not unheard of. And this obviously looked like some kind of tornado uh, that went through here, ripped a you know, ripped a path down through this forest. It could have easily picked up a bunch of zombies, uh, you know, a couple kilometers down the road and then, uh, you know, periodically deposited them as uh, as they fell out of the funnel. Yeah, totally, for sure. The other thing, though, is, so what happens when, after Maggie wakes up, she goes over to talk to Daryl, who's awake, and Maggie sits down beside him, and she says, you should get some sleep. It's okay to rest now. Which, to me, kind of feels like she's saying, after all that craziness last night, it's okay to go to sleep. It's okay to rest. 
right. which which for me it's like okay maybe that actually did happen but if if that's the show's intention i'm a little disappointed because why wouldn't they show us kind of the outcome of it why would they just cuz like everything seemed to be going bad they seemed to be in really really um you know a lot of trouble there and yep. why would they just cut away from it and not show us so I, I think I agree with you. Definitely dream sequence, but I don't think it's metaphor. quite as... Or Either, metaphor. I, I'm just thinking... Met, I don't think anybody in particular dreamed this. I just think it was, uh, you know, a metaphor of, you know, our intrepid heroes against uh, an oncoming horde of zombies, and they need to work together in order to survive. You're absolutely right. It's just when you have something like that, and then it cuts to a person waking up, that usually implies it was a dream. But you're right. You're right. Yeah. Metaphor, you know, un, you know, zombies have been following them the whole time, right? There have always been zombies down the road. And now they're in this barn, which is safe for the night, they, they figure. Suddenly all those zombies are back at the door again. I, I totally see what you're saying. It works as a metaphor really well. Yeah. Um, I just don't think it was quite that clear on the show. And that's okay. I mean, everyone can take their own interpretation from it, so... Um, what's happening? Uh, they talk, uh, Daryl and uh, Maggie talk about Tyrese and Sasha being tough, even though they didn't know it, which is nice. And he gives her back the music box, which he has now fixed. Mm-hmm. Apparently. So there was some gunk in the gears or something. Grit. D- grit in the gearbox or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Maggie goes over to wake up Sasha, who's asleep and takes her outside Outside they find, so they find all the broken trees now. There's trapped walkers all over the place, and it looks like a serious amount of destruction for one storm, as you said. It must have been some kind of tornado or hurricane or something. Right. And um, Well, it wouldn't have been a hurricane. It would have sorry. been a tornado. Okay. Or, tornado. Or Godzilla. I could go either way. All right. Either a twister or Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> but Sasha makes an interesting comment here as they're walking away. She says that storm should have torn us apart. Well, yeah, because, you know, a tornado comes and touches down, it takes uh, this house and that house and leaves the other house, like, right beside it, completely undamaged. Right, but I think she's kind of counting her blessings here, you know? She's like, we're in this barn. It clearly destroyed half this forest, but the barn is untouched. So, you know, maybe the zombies at the door were a metaphor for the destruction of the farm. Sorry, the destruction, destructive power of the storm. It could be. You know? And they they pushed the door and they uh, they weathered the storm. Maybe the storm uh, was a metaphor for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and you know? Godzilla, apparently. Well, Godzilla is, you know, its own thing. Yes. But, uh, you know, the, the zombie apocalypse is the storm that they have to weather by working together. And uh, it, it destroys, you know, it, it should have destroyed us, but uh, it, it didn't. But it hasn't yet, hasn't got us yet, so yep. we got to keep going. I like that. There's layers of metaphors here. Yeah. Just okay. no real realism. There's no real layer, on, uh, which is kind of annoys me. They could have told this, uh, these metaphors with some kind of real layer other than uh, the, the threat of the zombies coming through the door for some reason that they didn't resolve. Right. But I don't think, I think if it's a metaphor like this, they didn't really need to resolve it because all you need to take away from it is the metaphorical value. They could have had a real layer on there. There's so many other layers. They could have done that uh, for real. Have you seen Signs? Yes. Uh, M. Light Shyamalan's Signs? It was yeah. the f- the family working together that 
save them from this uh, external problem, right? And every time they worked together as a team, uh, they learned a little bit more and they were able to uh, to work out the solution. But there was a realistic layer there. They physically had to work together in order to resolve the uh, mm-hmm. resolve the the threat. There was no physical working together to resolve the threat here. It would started at the metaphor. I think it should have started at the real. Uh, you know, you have a real layer, then the metaphorical layer of the storm, and then which has a metaphorical layer of the apocalypse altogether. I just, I think they missed something there. I think you're right. I mean, it's, it was, the more I talk about it though, the more, and the more I think about it, the I think the more it worked for me, actually. I get, you need a little bit of the real to mix in with these, this metaphorical layer, but I like it. I mean, I came out of that scene thinking, being sort of confused by it all, but I think I've worked it out in my mind as we've discussed it. Right. And I'm a little, I'm okay with it now. Okay. Um, outside, Sasha and Maggie are there. They're looking at the sunrise and together sitting there, they both finally come to the realization that they still have things to live for and that they want to continue fighting to survive. Right. And Maggie opens up the music box, expecting the ballerina to to spin and to hear some music, but it still doesn't work when she winds it up. Damn and thing. That's right. But they have a good laugh about it, which is key, you know? Half an hour earlier in the episode, this might have sent her over the edge. Right. <laughs> My damn music box doesn't work. Yeah. But they laugh about it. And as they're laughing, suddenly a dude walks up. A mystery dude. A mystery dude. Yeah. They jump up and draw their guns, as, you know, these people usually do. But he says, whoa, 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 I'm friendly. My name is Aaron. And uh, I'm a friend. And he he asks to speak to the guy in charge. He he knows Rick's name. He says, Rick, is it? And uh, they kind of wonder, how do you know that? And he says, don't worry, I have good news. Yeah. And uh, my question for you is... Uh, Where'd you get that haircut? Why is your clothes all clean? Uh, yeah, you look like you're in pretty good shape for surviving a storm slash zombie apocalypse. Well, there's a lot of questions for this guy, but before they can ask any, the music box starts spinning and the episode ends. Right. Cut to black. So there it is. There's Aaron. He's showed up a little sooner than I thought. I thought we were going to get Aaron in the next episode, and this one would all be would would all be about the group again coming together and realizing they want to continue which it really was and this was mostly maggie and sasha's story i think just after what's happened to them and what they've lost but aaron right at the end as basically a little cliffhanger yeah who is this guy what does he want why does he look so good yeah he looks he looks damn good he looks like he's uh he probably has a blow dryer in his backpack because you know his hair <laughs> looks damn good for the zombie apocalypse it looks damn good for a job interview there you go. Well, I think he's going to be interviewed next episode by our group to find out what he's all about. Right. Uh, but uh, we'll find out that next week. What did you think of this episode in general? In general, I liked it because uh, it was uh, it was kind of deliberately paced because mm-hmm. they were just basically on the road. They uh, spent a lot of time walking and thinking and being hungry and uh, thirsty and then that basically ended with uh, Rick saying we are the walking dead. So I thought that was very appropriate for the for this particular episode uh and for the show in general. Uh then they had the uh the storm/rain/ slash slash 
uh, rebirth because that was what this story was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, um, uh, the rain coming down and washing away their previous troubles so that they can continue on with some new troubles and then find, and then weathering the storm, uh, metaphorically and physically, uh, I thought it all rather came together. It had that one glaring issue of, uh, not having any realism for that, uh, that threat that they had with the zombies coming through the door for some reason, uh, you know, is that a major thing? Yeah, I would put it a moderate. I had a moderate problem with it, but overall, I liked the episode. Yeah, I I had more of a problem with it as I just said earlier. But now, talking and thinking about it, I'm I'm actually okay with it. I think it works in the grand thematic, you know, ideas in this episode. Um, I I like this one a lot too. Actually, I thought it was really really well done. There was a lot of talking and dialogue, which doesn't always work, but I think in this case it did, because I also realized that there were a number of fairly lengthy scenes without any dialogue or talking, you know, characters by themselves, like Daryl leaning against that tree, um, or, you know, uh, just at other times when they're walking down the road and stuff like that. So it wasn't just all talking to each other. You sort of, you know, they they did a good balance of of showing us things and not always telling us stuff. The other one that comes to mind is just Maggie searching the car, right? It's just her yep. searching a car, pops open the trunk, closes it. And, you know, I know I kind of questioned what was her motivation going back, but that's the kind of questions they want us to ask as viewers. Yep. Right? Um. I really liked the kind of plot construct, and this all ties into everything, but the plot construct of having the zombies following them on the road, it's sort of this like never-ending push that's pushing them forward, and they cannot go back and so on. Yep. Uh, I thought that really worked, and it just reinforced, you know, the whole theme of the episode. So um, that was pretty good. And um, what else? Uh, That was it, I think. It, It... yeah, it it was good. It was it was a good good episode, a good transition episode, kind of right from the old to the new. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna get a lot of new things coming up in the next few, leading to the end of the season, I think. Right, and uh, it it proves to me that the best time to find a running vehicle to get you a long distance is during a uh, a break of some kind when mm-hmm. the camera crew isn't there, because as soon as the camera crew shows up. Uh, cars break down, you run out of gas, you can't find another one, you can't find water. Oh, it's just such a big problem. But, you know, if the cameras aren't there between, uh, you know, November and and now, they uh, they got 500 miles, man. They got so far. Yeah, just turn the show off and these people will be just fine. That's right. I th- and I've said it before and I'll say it again. The uh, the camera crew is bad luck for these, uh, for these people. <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. It, uh, I mean, this episode in part was all about reinforcing the common Walking Dead theme that, you know, you have to do what you need to do to survive. Um, But it expanded on that theme for me by adding the why. Like, why do you have to do these things? And it's it's Rick's story. It's that there's a there's a better, you do it for a better future uh, or a better outcome, like down the road at some point, right? And up until now, it's always been, we kill people, we kill zombies, we search for somewhere safe just because, you know, that's what we have to do to stay alive. But the point is we do all these things because we're trying to make a better world. Yep. And this episode was all about that. So I liked it. I thought it was really, really good. It was. All righty. Uh, we are going to take a quick 
break. When we come back, we'll have our contest entry and our holy craps. Stay with us. Talking Dead is an entirely listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to find out how you can help out, visit patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash thetalkingdead, where you can make a small pledge to help us with the cost of putting on this podcast each week. Um, and there are some uh, great reward levels, too, for, uh, for you in case you want to check those out. Also, make sure you use our Amazon links when you do all your shopping at Amazon.com. Visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon and click on the country of your choice to be taken directly to the right store for you. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps us out a great deal. We appreciate all the support from everyone through Patreon and through Amazon. Thank you so much. Welcome back, everybody. So it's time to play an entry in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. And as I said off the top, this entry comes from this very episode. Cool. Um, I, if I asked you to guess which scene it was, Jason, you probably could, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to play it. This is Brandon in Las Vegas. I used to feel sorry for the kids that have to grow up now in this, but I think I got it wrong. Grown-ups get used to the world. This is easier for them. This isn't the world. This isn't it. It's reality until we see otherwise. This is what we have to live with. When I was a kid, I asked my grandpa once if he killed any Germans in the war. He wouldn't answer. He said that was grown-up stuff. So I asked if the Germans ever tried to kill him, but he got... Real quiet. He said it was death the minute he stepped into enemy territory. Every day, woke up and told himself, Rest in peace. Now get up and go to war. And then, after a few years of pretending he was dead, he made it out alive. And that's a trick of it, I think. We do what we need to do. And then, we get to live. No matter what we find in D.C., I know we'll be okay, because this is how we survive. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. All right, thank you very much, Brandon in Las Vegas. Cool. If you want to send in a scene for the contest, 
do what Brandon did. Record it on your phone or your computer. Uh, get the audio file fired out to us. It doesn't have to be from season five or the, the last episode. It can be from any episode of the show. Four and a half or five and a half seasons worth of it now. Or even future episodes, if you happen to have uh, scripts available. <clears throat> that would be something. That would be something. Any episode, just pick a scene that you want to do, uh, reasonably short, uh, but whatever, and uh, send it in. We don't get too many done by multiple people, which is which, you know, would be cool. So if you have a friend that wants to do it, record it, fire it in. Um, we like got a some... lot of things in life, uh, some things are, are better with a buddy. Some things are. In this case, I don't know, you know. I'm not saying either way in this case, but we haven't gotten too many with two people. It's all been solo monologues and stuff like that. So get it in there. Get us, uh, get an entry. And uh, at the end of the season, Jason and I sit down, we put our heads together, uh, and we really think about what, which one is our favorite, and we choose it. And then that person gets a really great prize pack, including a complete set of retail editions for the walking dead comic number 100 mm-hmm. that's pretty cool um a a vinyl replica of um negan's baseball bat from the comic named lucille and uh i don't know if there's anything else i have some stickers and things like that i'm going to throw in there Ooh, as well. a sticker yeah so they scratch just, you know, and sniff <laughs> no they're not <laughs> um but there's you know the comics in the bat are, are a pretty good prize oh I yeah think, so so uh, record your favorite scene, send it in to us, and I like to try to read one, or play one, I mean, on every episode. So good stuff. Thank you very much. All right, moving right along. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right, it's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That?, where we read submissions also from listeners who uh, picked something out of the recent episode that made them jump up from their couch and say, Holy Crap, Did You See That?, mm-hmm. all right, the first one comes from Beatrice in Sweden. She says, Holy Crap, Did You See the Zombie Up in the Tree?, <laughs> And she sent a screenshot. Did you see the zombie in the tree, Jason? I did see the zombie in the tree. I was very happy about the zombie in the tree. So this was a storm of significant enough magnitude that a zombie was impaled on a branch way up in a tree and just hanging there. There was a lot of religious overtones to this particular episode. There was, uh, you know, the priest falling from grace, but thanking God. There was the the water and the uh, the redemption. And then now we have a uh, a zombie impaled on a tree. Like he was almost crucified. Yeah, he almost was, I, I guess. But uh, I didn't catch it the first time through. Uh, and then on my, I watched this episode three times, actually. And on the second time I did. And then, of course, I went back to just look at it again after Beatrice sent that email in. So, uh, yeah. holy crap, zombie up a tree. You have to watch harder, my friend. You have to watch with all of your might to catch these things the first time. I do. I should. But I know I'm going to watch it like two or three times. So the first time I just sit there and watch and I let it all wash over me. And then the second time I watch a little harder. Um, And if I do watch it a third time, um, that's when I'm making notes or whatever. And if I don't watch it the third time, I do that during the second watch. So Right. Uh, Thank you, Beatrice. Jessica from Long Island writes, Holy crap, did you see that? This episode felt like a really long Zoloft commercial. Super depressing and complete with the sunrise at the end. What the hell is Zoloft? It is, I believe, a medication that treats depression and anxiety. Zoloft. Oh, yeah, there it is. (laughs) We don't have have drug commercials like you do in the States. 
Ours, uh, the laws are you can mention the name of the drug, but not what it does, or you can mention what the drug does, but not its name. Right. Unlike in the States where every time I'm there, drug commercials come on and it's like Zoloft for, you know, do you have anxiety and depression? You need Zoloft. Side effects include possible death, um, eyeballs popping out, ears falling off, things like that. Anal leakage. Oh God, that's something you don't want. (laughs) Um, We don't, yeah, you're right. We don't have those type of commercials, but uh, I looked up Zoloft too and it's a depression drug. There you go. Uh, Matt from Overland Park, Kansas. This was a holy crap, did you see that laden episode? I could not deal, what I could not deal with was Michonne and Sasha stopping to have a conversation in the middle of the road while a small herd of walkers were meandering up behind them. Or for that matter, the group letting the small herd form behind them at all. Even though it didn't happen, what if they had run into another group of walkers in front of them? We've seen large groups sneak up on them before. At the short distance they gave the following walkers, it could have turned into a big problem fast. True. Yeah, do you think it was a dumb move to just let them follow them for a while? No, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, uh, Rick said that uh, we, you know, we want to, we're not at our best right now. We want to uh, to get some high ground or get a, you know, use the terrain to our advantage somehow. Uh, you know, I think that was probably a good idea, but I hadn't considered the fact that they might run into another, uh, group of walkers up ahead because then, uh, they'd be uh, a human sandwich where, uh, the zombies were the bread. Yeah. And, you know, I think Matt is right, but at the same time, these people were sleep and nourishment deprived. They might not have all been thinking straight. Now, Rick had his ideas of getting high ground or whatever, or, or using some other way to get rid of these zombies besides just attacking them, which which does make sense, but I don't think he necessarily considered all the options. Yeah. Which is, which is going to happen when you're in this situ- uh, situation. Yeah. Danny from Suffolk, Virginia writes, when they were at the bridge and leading the walkers to push them over the side, did you notice when Sasha broke protocol and started taking headshots to the walkers, she actually cut Abraham with her bloody knife? Would that blood in an open wound oh. cause him to turn? And Troy on Facebook, uh, a number of people sent this in, but Troy on our Facebook page wrote, um, he wrote in to remind us of a scene in the comic where one group of people in the comic tries to use weapons that have been slimed and dipped in zombie gore to infect another group. And Troy says, if Sasha had done that to Abraham, what uh, that walker blood on her knife should have infected him. So how do we feel about this, Jason? I feel that it won't, but it should. It seems like a precedent has been set, at least in the comic, that, you know, getting stabbed or, you know, I guess getting stabbed or cut with something that has walker guts on it is bad and would do bad things to you and sort of start that infection like the bite does and and kill you. Yep. And that seems like it should happen here too, but maybe that's not the rule in the TV show. It, maybe it isn't. That's you what know, I'm saying. I'm saying that uh, I don't think it will. I don't think that they. Uh, uh, it was blatant enough. I don't think it was uh, on screen long enough. Uh, and I don't think that it was addressed afterwards. So I don't think it will happen. But I, uh, I kind of think that it should. Well, but we we know that the TV show and the comic 
are in separate universes. They do not overlap. Um, uh, or, or at least they don't take place in the same sort of universe. So why can't the rules about zombie infection be slightly modified for the show as they are in the comic? Yeah. Right? So I think that may be what's happening here because, yeah, if we follow the precedent of the comic, he should have been in worse shape, possibly infected by that and, you know, on his way to zombieism right now. So, but you're right. I don't think they're going to address it because they would have already, or it better be like the first thing that comes up next episode. You know, he's all feverish or something. No, they had a whole night of them in the, uh, in the barn. So I think if they were going to address it, they would have addressed it then. Yeah. There would have been something that would have been binding it. Oh my God. I I can't believe she nicked me after, uh, after the zombie, you know, some kind of just something. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Or maybe we just have to chalk it up to... It wasn't, it was just a very slight surface wound and I don't know, it wasn't deep enough. Maybe uh, the, maybe the knife has to be plunged into you or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All right. We assume Abraham is going to be fine. Uh, Adam in Texas writes, uh, love, love, love the scene where they dispatch a crowd of zombies by nudging them over the side of the bridge. Sasha's rage fest, notwithstanding, it was a genius and non-bloody way to take care of a horde of poorly balanced dead cannibals. Yeah. It was good. It was a great idea. Throw them in the ravine. That's right. If it had, if everyone had just stuck to the plan, it would have been fine. You know what else I liked about that scene too? What? They lined up three people on each side. And if you paid attention, um, they rotated. So not one person was doing it all. Yep. Like Rick was in front on one side. He knocked one and then ran to the back of the line and Glenn was next and he knocked one and Michonne was next. And they rotated like that a couple of times before Sasha screwed it all up. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I saw that and I think that uh, that was great. I, I Yeah, it was it was neat. It was a cool idea. I mean, if it, it, it means that not one person gets all the action and not one person gets tired. It's like taking a shift, right? And in, in yeah. hockey, you go off the ice for a while. In this case, it's like get to the back of the line and you'll rest while we push some zombies. Great idea. Okay, Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, did you hear that? It only took five seasons, but Rick finally said it. We are the Walking Dead. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, Damien in Virginia. My holy crap for this week is as soon as the wild dogs came out of the woods, Sasha shot and killed them all. I said to myself, lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Meals that deliver themselves. Now that is what I'm talking about. There you go. <laughs> uh, yep, got to eat some dog. Uh, Gemma in Wales writes, when the whole group were walking slowly and you can see the dead behind them, it's very powerful. The camera sort of mixes them with the dead in our group, so they all appear to be zombies. Yep. I agree. They that was are. a great... Yeah, yeah, they are the walking dead. They are. Definitely. Great shot. And then she goes on to say, the group eating dogs. I'm not sure if this is just a step under the termites eating humans, but then again, you got to do what you got to do to survive. And I think I take issue with that. I think there's a huge leap from eating a dog to eating a human being. Uh, yeah, I would. I would think so, because you know, it, it, you know, some cultures do eat dog, and it has been. Uh, you know, you, you can eat dogs, you can eat cats, you can eat horses. It's mm-hmm. not really palatable to us, uh, to me personally, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's perfectly fine. But uh, eating other humans, yeah, I think there's going to be a, a line there. I totally agree. I don't think it's just a small step, as as Gemma uh, says here. 
Um, yeah, eating dogs. I mean, I think any animal that's not human, honestly, is kind of fair game when you're starving and you're in the zombie apocalypse, but you don't eat people. That's yeah. just, that's a different level. I don't think I could eat a cat. I like cats. Yeah, but I like dogs and I like cats and I, I like I don't know. All I could eat a dog. I could probably eat a dog. <laughs> if you had to, you could eat a cat. I'm not sure I could. I bet you cats are tastier than dogs. They're so cuddly. So are dogs? No, dogs are fine and loyal and fun. You could throw a frisbee and stuff, but cats like to sleep on you and they're so purry. I don't know. I don't think I could eat a cat. Uh, yeah, but you'd eat a rabbit. They're not. The, I find rabbits and cats. Oh, sort I eat of a similar. rabbit, but not all the time, because then you get rabbit starvation. No, I that's know that's no good. That's a whole thing. You're right. Anyways, um, humans bad. Eating dogs. Do what you got to do. Greg on the internet writes. Obviously, this week's holy crap moment was Rick Grimes' grossly overstated explanation of the dual meaning of the show's title. We are the Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> now all we need is a theme song with lyrics a la the monkeys. <laughs> I'm glad the writers chose to take up emotional depression as a theme, but the characters' emotional transitions from week to week are often jarring, sometimes almost inexplicable. Love this show, but holy crap indeed. This time, emphasis on crap. So harsh, Greg, man. (laughs) Hey, hey, we're the walking dead. People say we walking dead around. (laughs) That's what they need, yeah. Um... Grossly overstated explanation of the dual meaning of the show's title. You know, I, I find that a little little harsh. Um, I don't know. Uh, he Greg may have some kind of a point here, but for me, it, it really worked. And the one thing I do agree with here, though, is that the characters' emotional transitions from week to week are often jarring. And that can be a problem when we're talking about episodes that take place, you know, one day apart or just back to back or pick up right where the last one left off when, you know, a character is supposed to be really emotionally struggling with something and then, you know, six hours later, they're totally fine. Right. Um, But thank you, Greg. Angie from Birmingham writes, holy crap, good thing that wasn't a ninja zombie sneaking up on Maggie. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Because she never would have seen it coming and... It wouldn't have got, gotten stuck in those uh, vines either. No, it would have uh, would have done a backflip over the tree and then uh, come down and backstabbed her with its teeth. <laughs> she would have had been none the wiser. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few ninjas around Washington D.C., but not that many. So we got uh, lucky there. Mm-hmm. Maggie got lucky. What if uh, did I ever? Uh, you know, what if? You know, they say all all the ninjas are from uh, Japan, right? J- Japanese ninjas. What if uh, the Japanese ninjas are the worst ninjas in the whole world? Because those are the ones we know about. Yeah, I think you've asked this question before, and yeah. uh, that's a serious question. There could be ninjas in this room right now, and I have no idea. Yeah, the Canadian ninjas. You never hear about the Canadian ninjas, so therefore they've got to be some of the best ninjas on the planet. <laughs> Obviously. All right. Thanks, everyone, for writing in. We've had, in my opinion, two good episodes in a row starting after this mid-season break. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very happy about that. I, I, uh, I was a little bit down on the first half of this season after the first episode, but so far they're making up for it now. And uh, I feel good about it. I feel good about going into the back, uh, the last six episodes. There's only six more. God, time flies. Wow. Alrighty, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that by giving us a call on the toll-free phone number. It is 
483-ZOMB. That is uh, 844-483-9662. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And you can send all your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's where you should send in entries in the in the Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Hopefully we get some more. And uh, somebody, seriously, find a friend and record with a friend. Some uh, things are just better with a buddy. Some things, exactly. We I could list off a few. And recording a scene from your favorite TV show is top of that list. Playing Halo? Halo with a buddy is better. Very good. Tobogganing. Tobogganing with a friend is better, too. Yeah. Tobogganing by yourself is just kind of sad and lonely. Yeah, being being in a band, that's good with a, a few other friends. You know, one man bands have their place, but it's it's kind of sad. It's a little, a little bit sad, yeah. <laughs> although although um, very impressive when done well. Oh yeah, you know. Um, but you don't want to be in a one man marching a one man marching band. That would no, be because bad. you need your feet for playing. You know, probably the snare drum and the bass drum, and uh, you know you got cymbals between your knees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, marching down the street is really kind of difficult. Really difficult. Yeah, that wouldn't work so well. Anyways, uh, get some entries in. Uh, thank you to everyone that has. And uh, that's it. We'll be back on Wednesday with more feedback. So send that our way. Until then, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. That's it. That's that's 200. That's it. That's it. 200. We did it. We did it, man. 200. It's over. Should I have said something else? No, that's fine. All right. Well, we did it. Maybe we should just stop. Maybe that'll be the last episode ever. No explanation. No. That's it. We just we quit podcasting. We Throw quit. down the microphone. Yep. And, you know, just rage quit. Quit podcasting. Fuck we this got shit. <laughs> We I like to, it too much, and anything I like too much, I quit. We got to 200, and that's it. We just won't tell anyone we're done. Yeah. We're going to move on.